Welcome, foolish mortals. We are your hosts. I mean, your ghost hosts. I'm Melanie. I'm Jessica. We have 999 happy haunts joining us for an upcoming Halloween edition of Cartoons to Castles. But there's room for a thousand! Join us next week, the 21st of October, as we dive into the history and tales of Disneyland's Haunted Mansion. Be warned, there's also some spooky tales from the Haunted Mansion we have in store for you. Hurry back, hurry back. Be sure to bring your death certificate. For this week's mini episode, we did something a little different. Um, You may have seen we took to social and just wanted to do an Ask Me Anything. We wanted you guys to ask us some questions that we can answer for you for this episode. Yeah, we felt like we uh, covered a good amount about Mary Blair and we thought, what's something fun we can do for the mini episode? And Jessica thought about throwing some uh, Q&As out there. So let's get into it. Yeah, so Haley D. Fry asks us... Who is the most inspirational person in Disney history for you? Oh, you'll have to answer first, Jess. Yeah, well, so I feel like the obvious answer is Walt Disney. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to say what my answer would be aside from Walt Disney. I mean, obviously, there's so many. But I suppose the two that jump out to me the most are Mary Blair, who we talked about last week, because she did really break through that glass ceiling of women in animation. I know that Walt was more progressive than other studios at the time with whom he hired, but even though he was progressive for the time, there were still just women in the ink and paint department. There weren't women art supervising animated feature films. So the Mm -hmm. fact that Walt tasked her with art supervising the three caballeros, while she never conformed to the norms or the standards of what was considered the norms and the standards of animation at the time, she really always stuck true to her style, true to her color sensibilities. And with that, that made her stand out and it made her break this glass ceiling of women in animation. Like she was the first one to have her name on an art piece she did at the Disney park, the art supervising she did for Three Caballeros, being in charge of creating the aesthetic for It's a Small World. That's Mm -hmm. pretty incredible. So her for sure. And I would have to say another person I think about often is Bob Gurr. It's just incredible to me how he taught himself so much from scratch. Because obviously there wasn't anything like Disneyland before Disneyland existed. He has a background in industrial design for cars. But obviously, he's not just working with cars at Disneyland. You know, he's having to figure out how to create doom buggies and and flying saucers and helping with the mechanical designs. So in the first animatronics, like Mr. Lincoln, it's pretty incredible. And plus, I've met him a couple times, and he is just like the most humble and sincere person. And you could just see like how passionate and proud he is of the work he does, but in like a humble way. So Mm -hmm. those two like were the ones that immediately jumped to mind, but there's like probably endless I could go on and on about. Yeah, I actually agree with your answers. And I would have to think about it longer. And I really feel like you know more about the makers behind the scenes than I do at this point. But one person who really has inspired me and continued to inspire me is Jodi Benson. I think when I was a kid and I saw Little Mermaid in the theater, I was just so enraptured. It was so different 
from any of the movies made for children that I had seen before. It so captured my imagination and I felt so drawn to it and her voice really inspired me in terms of singing. I wanted my voice to sound like her voice. I wanted to sing like her and I was inspired by her as a person. And then that she has stayed involved with Disney all these years later and we heard her beautiful voice again in Ralph Breaks the Internet and she still was able to capture that same aerial energy and spirit that is a part of that is a part of her and that came from her. I just love her so much. So, yeah. So we have a couple questions from Scartoon Spin. Uh, the first one is, who living or past would be at your perfect Disney dinner party if you could have a max of five guests? So I will say I thought about this. I'm so sorry, Scartoon Spin. I cannot narrow this down to five people. I think the, I can't. I tried. You can throw in a couple extra okay, for me. Okay. So it's fine. Okay. So Walt and Lillian, for sure. Because I mean, how, why would you have a Disney dinner party and you don't want Walt there? Like, I want to hear. I want to pick his brain about everything. Obviously. Um, and I, I want Lillian there too, because, you know, even though we talk so much about Walt Disney, Lillian was there for it all with him too. And we hear about little tidbits of things she suggested that ended up coming into play. I think there's probably more that she came up with that we don't even necessarily know about. And also, I want to see their adorable relationship chemistry at a dinner party. That sounds great. <laughs> that does sound great. Yeah, I want to see Raleigh Crump and Mary Blair because their friendship seems like the cutest Aww. and they're so darn creative. And yes. I love their art style. Like that is so my aesthetic. They have to be together. They also have to come as a pair because their friendship just seems like just amazing. Mm -hmm. Bob Gurr, because let me tell you, I've listened to this man talk and he is just so excited about everything. And I want that energy at a dinner party. Like he did this Instagram post where he was talking about Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. And he was just like, all I have to say is, gee, geology, <laughs> look at these rocks. And I'm like, this man is amazing. And also I saw this live Zoom with him that the Walt Disney Family Museum held where they did a Zoom interview and he had a tiki drink that he made and he garnished it and he said, now this is how I normally garnish it. And he said what he normally garnishes it with. He goes, but since I'm staying at home and quarantining, I had to improvise using things for my garden. So he had just different vegetables that he cut into different shapes as the garnish, like a yam was on there and he just was drinking this ginormous <laughs> cocktail as he was answering questions. So I was like, he Aww. needs to be at a dinner party. I love him. And also Bob Iger because like, I love Bob Iger. <laughs> and also because I want Bob Iger and Walt Disney to be at the same dinner because I want to hear how that conversation goes. Like I just, right. I feel like Walt would like a lot of what's going on. I'm sure he also wouldn't like a lot that's what's going on, but I feel like there are people who wouldn't argue. I feel like that they could appreciate one another. So I want to hear them bounce ideas off of one another. So yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I will add a couple more to the dinner party since we still have a couple of slots open. I would add Jennifer Lee. That's the other ah! yes! I was going to say her too. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Jennifer Lee for sure. She's got to come. So for those who don't know, Jennifer Lee is currently the head of animation. What What is her title? Chief Creative Officer or something like that? Yeah, I think Chief Creative Officer of Walt Disney Animation Studios. And she is also one of the co-directors and writers of Frozen, right? I, yeah, I think yes, so. Yes, yeah. So I would really want to hear hear about where she's taking animation in the future and you know about her experience and I heard a super cool story about her that when they were making Frozen she had a sister 
Sisters Summit. Whoa. It was only for women who worked at the Disney Animation Studios. Well, men were allowed to go, but the men weren't allowed to speak. So only the women... <laughs> So only the women at the studio were allowed to speak. And like, I have to talk to her about that in person. That would be amazing. Um, and then my other one is Annette Funicello, just because I loved Annette so much. She was so adorable. I loved her beach party movies. She I was, was just- literally just listening to like her Hawaii. <laughs> what is it called? The soundtrack about... Hawaii? I, I can't remember the name but of you the know soundtrack. What, you know what I'm talking With about. With Pineapple Princess, so, yeah. Yes, pi- thank you. I was <laughs> literally sitting outside right before we recorded because it feels like summer again today, and I was yes. listening to that soundtrack, and Garrett yes. was telling me how she was like a, a Hillary Duff of the day, where she wasn't really a singer, but Disney kind of like wanted to, she was so popular, they wanted another like sector for her to make money, so they kind of like... I don't want to say forced. That sounds so mean, but you know, like you they need convinced to also have a music her career. To, yeah. yeah, and I guess she was super self-conscious about her singing because she's like, I'm not a singer. I mean, it's not like she's a trained operatic or Broadway style singer, but her voice is so cute and so yeah. fun to listen to. I just it love definitely it. fit the style of the time. Yeah, like the '60s sort yeah. of pop music. Yeah. Oh, for sure. It, yeah, it fits the bill. And also, I want to say about add on to your Jennifer Lee thing. I know this isn't a reason to invite someone to a dinner party, but she just has really great style. <laughs> <laughs> I really like her clothes. Well, why not? Why wouldn't you want to invite a stylish and, person to your and dinner party? I just I would like to see what she would wear. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Um, One that I am surprised you didn't mention inviting to your party. I know you only had so many slots, but Annika Noni Rose. Uh, Yeah, you know what? So the reason why I didn't, so I know, I guess Bob Iger kind of broke the mold with this. But initially, when I was planning this, I obviously put Walt Disney down first. And then I was thinking of a lot of present day Disney people. But then I was thinking, I think I want it to be primarily old school Disney people, Mm, because that's not really stories that are as accessible. You know, like Nikononi Rose, like she has social media. Obviously, I would love to go to a dinner party with her because Tiana is my favorite princess. But I'm just like, when I think about these types of questions, I always think of like, who is someone that I have no chance of hearing from today? I have no chance of meeting. And I threw Bob Iger in there just because like, for lack of a better comparison, he kind of is the modern day Walt Disney. So I just like to hear him and Walt converse about like how the Disney company should be going. I was kind of going more old school Disney for that reason. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. (laughs) Yes, yes. But oh my gosh, I mean, if Anika's listening, I would love to go to one dinner party with her if I could be so lucky. Maybe a virtual dinner party. Oh gosh, I would be so happy. I literally have a Tiana doll on my desk and a Princess and the Frog piece above my desk. I love it so much. Yeah. All right. So the next question that Scartoon Spin had was, what is your most magical Disney experience that you've had? This is so hard. Um, Hard to narrow it down. Kind of goes with our topic for next week. One that jumps out to me is when I was working at Disneyland as an attractions cast member. I forget why, but there was some sort of contest among cast members for my attraction happening where they were saying like, whoever wins, like they were measuring us, like our efficiency, our customer service. I forget how they were measuring it, but they're measuring it in some way. And whoever got the most points would win an after hours tour of the Haunted Mansion. Mm -hmm. that were obviously given by lead cast members on the Haunted Mansion. And the team I was on won. So me and my 
fellow cast members got to go on an after hours walkthrough tour of Haunted Mansion after it was closed. So we got to see the Haunted Mansion when the lights were all on. That's so cool. Take some photos. We obviously weren't allowed to post those photos, but we could take them for us to just have for personal use. And and that's something I think about often. And I have a lot of great memories from aside from that, I think just any Disney vacation I've taken with my family, like the first time my daughter went to Walt Disney World, I'll never forget. And also last year in November, we went on kind of a dream vacation, I'd always wanted to see Frozen. I had always wanted to go to New York, but I specifically wanted to see Frozen on Broadway. And I got to see that with her before it closed. And mm-hmm. then we went on a Disney cruise after that, that left from New York. And I think that's like my favorite Disney trip ever. So I guess those, those ones. Yeah. But that's, that's hard. That's, that's a hard question. I mean, yeah, I know <laughs> There's that. There's so many. There are so many. I mean, we've been lucky enough to be able to go to the parks a lot and to cover Disney events with actors from the movies and things like that. You know, I've covered for your blog and other blogs and you've covered events for your own blog. And it's just been amazing to go to these press conferences. And those have been so magical. But I think the most magical things have been with my family Um, When I was a kid, we went to the 35th anniversary celebration year, and it was so awesome. There was a party gras parade, and the parade had these huge inflatable characters that were sort of done up in Mardi Gras style, and it was like... Mickey and Mardi Gras style and Minnie and they were coming down the street. It was like a big party. And it's the it's the same parade we see in the Full House episode where they go to Walt Disney World. They moved it there. Oh, they moved it there. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. So it was all of those huge balloons. And that trip was so happy. It just felt like my family just had such a wonderful, wonderful time on that trip. And then there were a couple times with my daughter, there was one where it was when they were redoing the parking. And uh, the parking was a mess. And I wanted to take her to Disneyland on her birthday. And I didn't expect for the parking to be so bad. It took us like two hours to actually get into the park. And she really wanted to see the Frozen show for her birthday. And so we... We were racing over to the park to try to get into California Adventure for the last Frozen live show in the Hyperion Theater, and we actually made it. And then on the way in, we got stopped by a cast member who said, oh, do you want to be the first family of Arendelle? And I was like, um... I don't know what's that. <laughs> yeah. And he said, "Well, you get to um you get to go in before the rest of the crowd and you get to choose your own seats and then you get a certificate and you get to go to the front of the line to meet Anna and Elsa in the meet and greet after the show." And I was like, "Yes, we do want to do that. Yes, please." So By chance, on Clara's birthday, we got to be the first family of Arendelle. Clara was so excited. She ran into the theater while everyone was cheering for her. She got to choose her own seat, and we got to meet Anna and Elsa afterward. And it was just so magical. After the frustrating parking experience, I was really reminded about how the cast members can make the experience magical, no matter what you've gone through leading up to it. A cast member can just come in and add that extra bit of magic. And that was such a happy memory for us. Yeah. Something I noticed, like I was saying, one of my favorite memories is seeing Frozen on Broadway, which Disney had Mm -hmm. announced they are not going to reopen once Broadway reopens. And then we just recently learned that Frozen at the Hyperion is not reopening. But I mean, I know it's a slim chance, but if any people who starred in any of those shows or cast members who are a part of those shows, like 
backstage or on stage, we were heartbroken to hear the news. We were. They really like created so many magical memories, obviously all the cast members. But just going to throw in a quick thing. If you want to help to donate via Venmo to the username cast member pantry, and they're mm-hmm. working to help cast members, they've been helping cast members get, um, you know, basic supplies and food that they need in Walt Disney World who are in need of it. But they're also working on some mobilizations for Anaheim cast members as well. Right. And um, you can also find out more on Facebook. They have a Facebook page, Cast Member Pantry. They're also working with Second Harvest, both in Florida and in Orange County, to provide food to cast members who may need it and supplies who may need it. So also donating to Second Harvest is another way to go to help cast members. And um, our friend uh, Tiff Mink on Instagram, she created a great comprehensive Google Doc. Not all cast members necessarily need a food bank, but still are needing um, some help during this time if they lost their jobs. Um, And she created a great list of so many small businesses and side hustles that laid off cast members have that you can find from her Instagram page if you want to maybe shop use that to shop on Christmas or things like that. We will add links to those in our show notes in case you need them. Alyssa Rohim asks, do you have any favorite resources when you're researching Disney history? You know, it really truly depends on the topic, uh, at least for me that we're researching. But I'd like to, in terms of the type of source, I like to at first see, is there a book Mm-hmm. For, for this specific topic, because I do feel like books can dive a little bit more into deep storytelling and you could find a lot more tidbits that you necessarily can't find from more concise articles. And if there's not a book or if I need additional information, I then tend to go to official Disney sites like the Walt Disney Family Museum mm-hmm. or the Disney Archives website. And then if I still need more, you know, just Googling and then obviously only using credible sources like um, newspapers like LA Times, New York Times or articles by like official Disney historians. Mm-hmm. You know, Wikipedia is obviously a good source. But one thing that I enjoy is that they have sources cited at the bottom of each article. So if you want to delve even further, you can go onto the Wikipedia page of whatever you're researching and go to the bottom and find additional resources that may be articles or linked to books that you might not have known about before. So that actually is a really good resource for research. And what's helpful about Wikipedia is, you know, you can't always rely on it necessarily because yeah. like anyone could contribute to Wikipedia. But since they do have the footnotes where they have to cite the source, if you find a piece of information where you're like, hey, this could be good, you could go to the footnotes and be like, okay, did this come from a credible source? Right, so it makes exactly. it a nice little shortcut in um, researching. Yeah. So, and then um, Mir Jane 345 um, wants to know what some of our favorite Disneyland attractions, or they didn't say Disneyland, they just said, what are some some of your favorite attractions? So I guess at any park. Well, I feel a little ashamed of my list because I feel like most of my list is newer attractions. No, and I feel you like, shouldn't be ashamed. Well, Go I for guess it. I just mean it because like I'm so into the history of Disneyland yes. that I feel like I should like, I mean, I love all the old school rides, but yeah. they're not necessarily my current favorites. My absolute favorites are Flight of Passage at Animal Kingdom and mm-hmm. Rise of the Resistance, um, oh, which opened yeah. in January. I got to ride it on opening day after waiting eight hours to get called for my boarding room. <laughs> yeah. um, but it was also a cool experience because 
because I've never ridden a ride on opening day. That was the only oh, time yeah. I ever did that. Uh, it's a Small World, Haunted Mansion, mm-hmm. Spaceship Earth, Radiator Springs Racers, Snow White's Mine Train, and Magic Kingdom, and then Ratatouille, which I rode at Disneyland Paris. Yeah. One of my favorites. Yeah, and I um I actually have really bad motion sickness, and I'm also a coward. So a lot of the <laughs> roller coasters are not my favorites. Like, I actually don't like Space Mountain. Don't come at me. It's just because it scares me. It's okay. So a lot of the rides are more of the slow-moving, family-oriented rides. I love a couple of the dark rides in Fantasyland. I love Snow White's Scary Adventure. And I love, love, love Peter Pan, but I almost never go on it because the line is so long. Yeah. And the ride is so short. But when I do get to go on it, I'm so happy and enchanted and I love it. And the Alice in Wonderland dark ride is one of my family's favorites. I love that my daughter loves it. I love the enhancements that they've done. You know, some people are anti-enhancement. I like the enhancements that they've added. Some I like of the, the enhancements. I'm yeah, pro-enhancement. Yeah, some of the lighting effects and um, little animation they've added in. <laughs> and a small world is one of my favorites. Haunted Mansion, of course, and Pirates of the Caribbean. Those are just two amazing classics that are long rides and packed with lots of cool stuff. So that's always a a really easy one to be excited about getting on. As we learned, the Mark Davis, Claude Coates dream team was a thing. (laughs) Yes. And then over at California Adventure, I love soaring over California. I just love... Oh, yeah. I don't know why I didn't include that. Yeah, the the scenery and the music and the scents and all of the things. It's kind of like a multi-sensory experience and it's so much fun. And uh, Yeah. yeah, I love soaring over California. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I know that we're out of time, but I just have to say really quickly because you brought it up. What? <laughs> so I hope you all enjoyed our Duffy story from a couple <laughs> mini episodes back. If any of you remember that, go listen. It's a couple of mini episodes back. I think uh, our Disney Channel follow up mini episode. But when you brought up Peter Pan. Yes. It just reminded me of another long running quote that you and I say to one another that came from a real life experience at Disneyland. So, you know, before we had kids, me and my husband and Melanie and her husband would go to Disneyland together like all the time and sometimes late at night because like you could, right? When you're not worrying about bedtimes and such like you do. So we'd be there often late at night and we'd always notice like near closing, there was always the same couple like older couple we would see um Mm -hmm. and we were just always like oh that's so cute like they always are riding peter pan like at nighttime like right before we would always we would always notice this couple would be like purposefully wait to be the last ones to ride they would linger they would linger around the end of the line and then kind of scooch in at the end like to be the last people on the ride yeah And we would always, like, talk about them. And, of course, like, you know, as a fun, like, couple thing, we'd be like, oh, my gosh, like, what is their story? Like, what is their love story? This is so cute. Who are they? Who are they? they? We'd come up with our own theories. And then, like, one night, for whatever reason, we're just like, we're just going to talk to them. Or not talk to them. We just, like, say hi in passing. And we walk by them. And uh, Melanie just said, hi. And then the woman looks at us and goes, hi, like literally like Betty Boop said that I'm not even exaggerating she said hello like that okay I remember maybe maybe it's exaggerated over time I can't fully remember it's probably been like 10 years at this point but we always say that I don't think your intonation is that exaggerated but (laughs) I remember it slightly differently okay 
I remember that we were walking through Fantasyland. We weren't near mm-hmm. Peter Pan, but we were like walking through Fantasyland. It was like between sort Carousel near, and Dumbo, I think. Yeah, sort of okay. near the teacups. And yeah. they walked past us. And I was so excited to see them that I looked directly at her. And I was like, oh, there she is. And I was like, hi. And I don't know why I was saying hi to her. There's no way she would know who I was. But I said but hi we to her anyway. But we were excited. Them. She could yeah. clearly see that I was excited about seeing her for some reason. So she said, how? Wow. And we were like, that was amazing. <laughs> she said hello to us. <laughs> yeah. And it was so great. It's brought us so much joy over the years. And so often, Melanie and I will just be like, hello. <laughs> so we have lots of fun stories like that. I don't we know love who that she lady. Is. And we obviously haven't seen her in a long time because we haven't gone at closing in so long, but she's great. She's brought us so much joy. It's, they're such a cute couple. I love that she says hello like Betty Boop. Peter, Peter Pan, Pan lady, if you're listening, please just send us a message. You're probably not, but if you're listening, Peter Pan lady you and, never know. and man in the hat, uh, just send us a message. We love we you. We stand <laughs> Peter Pan lady. And her husband, Hat Man. Yeah. So anyway, join us next week, October 21st, where we will be talking about the The Haunted Mansion. Mansion. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening. Till next time. Keep keep dreaming. dreaming.